All right. Good morning, family. Let's, uh, let's pray together before we begin. Lord Jesus, we love you and we have so many songs that we can sing to you. But God, don't let our worship end with the songs. Don't let it end with the melodies that we sing, but let it continue as we open up our minds and our hearts and we let your word speak loudly into our life this morning. We thank you so much for, for this house and for the family that you've brought together here. And, and God, we continue to ask you as we walk through the scriptures, as we have these past several weeks, that you continue to teach us. God, we have so much to learn about what kind of people you want us to be. And so we pray this morning you'll, you'll let us open our minds and our hearts to the truth of, that you have to share this morning. It's such a powerful example of the kind of believers you want us to be. Thank you for this morning. We pray and give everything that we have to you as a sacrifice because you're worthy of all of it. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. Um, well, it is, I'm so glad that you are with us this morning. Uh, this is a holiday weekend. It's Labor Day weekend. And we are grateful that a lot of our folks um, are able to be away and uh, gone on trips for the weekend. I know what some of y'all are thinking. You're sitting here, and if you're just being honest and transparent, you're thinking, yeah, I wish I was somewhere else. <laughs> Thank you, Brenda. I love you too, girl. I know, I know, I love you too. But we can be honest. Well, you wish you were at the beach, or you wish you were at the mountains, or somewhere like that. But I'm excited. It, at least you get to spend the long weekend at home Maybe, you know what, I've, I've talked about it for a, week, for a week. I'm so excited about Labor Day. You know why? You know what my plans are? Nothing. I, I, somebody sent me a picture that said, uh, my goal on Labor Day is to, is to only move enough so that people know I'm not dead. <laughs> and that's kind of what I'm looking forward to. Like, I don't want to leave my house. I don't want to go anywhere. I don't want to do anything. Um, but of course, you don't want to hear, if you need me, call me, okay? <laughs> I know that's what some of y'all are thinking. Well, what if I need you, pastor? Well, then I'll be there for you. You know I will be. Um, but we're going to continue this morning in uh, our sermon series that we're calling Becoming, where we are letting the Lord teach us how we are becoming the church that he wants us to be. And we're always in a constant state of becoming, Right? We never stop becoming what God has for us to be. And so, um, just as a quick review, let's see where we've gone over the past several weeks. The very first week we learned that our growth as individual believers will lead us to what? Serve. Very good. You, we grow as believers so that we can serve one another. And in serving one another, the kingdom grows. So we grow to serve to grow, all right? You remember that from week one. Week two, we said that there is great unity in the diversity of how God has shaped us. That God's plan all along was not for us to all be the same, not for us all to look alike and serve him alike, but that we're all different. And I had my bouquet of flowers up here, and we, we talked about how the beauty of a bouquet is the fact that they're all different. And the beauty of the church is the fact that we're all different. 
We're not all supposed to look alike and sound alike and act alike and serve alike. Actually, if we are doing that, we're not adhering to what Jesus designed for us was in the first place. He, diversity is beautiful. And in that diversity, Jesus unifies us and we become something that honors and glorifies his kingdom. And then last week, we talked about the pursuit of greatness, the pursuit of kingdom greatness and how Jesus' pursuit of greatness for us is completely upside down to the world's view of greatness, that we become great when we become servants and we become slaves to one another. When we regard everyone else above ourselves, that is when we become great and we become we do that within the church and the church does that to the community on the outside and that's when we become great. The greatness of our church will be Determined not by how big we are, how many people we have, how big our buildings are, how big our budget is. The greatness of our church in Jesus' eyes will be determined on how we serve one another. Amen? So we're going to continue this morning and and we're going to take last week what we heard Jesus say and we're going to see him take it a step further this week. Uh, So we're going to be looking in John chapter 13. So go ahead and get your Bibles out and turn and find John 13. And um, let me tell you guys this week before we get started, um, this week the ice maker in our refrigerator went kaput. Don't you hate that? Now I know that's totally a first world problem. Don't, don't feel too sorry for us because our ice maker quit working. But um, you know that feeling you get in your house when, like, one of your appliances, like your washer or your dryer or your refrigerator or something like that, everything's working the way it's supposed to, and then there's no warning when that stuff goes out, right? It's just, boom, it doesn't work anymore. And now you're, you're you, it, it's just, you feel like something's just been ripped away from you, and, and now everything, uh, everything kind of goes nuts. And you're like, oh, no, we can't do this, we can't do that. Well, Ice Maker is not that big of a deal, but... Um, most of my life, I've been pretty useless when it comes to fixing stuff. Um, <laughs> there are stories, stories, stories that my wife could tell you of my attempts to try to fix things and my epic failure in, every, in so many of those attempts. But I'm getting better. And, I'm, I, and I, I, I've, I've discovered a secret. There is this new friend that I have who has become... Um, my right-hand person when it comes to uh, how to fix stuff. And, uh, yeah, his name is YouTube. (laughs) Uh, I have, um, I used to never even try to fix stuff. But now I've become like a YouTube DIY nerd. So as soon as anything breaks in the house, the first thing I do is go to YouTube and Google and I start looking and looking and reading and reading and looking for a video about how to fix it. And almost always, there's some guy on YouTube that has had the same trouble that you're having and he makes a video, tells you how to fix it. And so I've, I've been doing that lately and I, I, have to, I have to be honest with y'all, I'm a little proud of myself. <laughs> uh, because I've been able to fix some pretty uh, major things. I've, I fixed... Issues with our car that I've never been able to know how to do before. Um, I've done plumbing stuff uh, and, and gotten it right because, because I watched YouTube and saw somebody else do it right. I even repaired our dryer two times. 
and made it work. And the second time I repaired it, I did it for less than a dollar. And you talk, and you talk about being proud. I was so excited. I just wanted to like, you know, make a video to put on YouTube to tell everybody that I used YouTube to fix my dryer and it didn't even cost me a dollar. It was awesome. So before you get ready for me to tell you how I fixed the ice maker, I know what you're waiting on. You're waiting on me now to say, oh, he's fixed all this stuff. Now he's going to tell us how he fixed the ice maker. I didn't fix the ice maker. Uh, ice maker's still broken. <laughs> I didn't know how. One, because I couldn't find a good YouTube video on how to fix our, our ice maker because we've got some weird ice maker that I guess nobody else in the world has. So I couldn't find a video for it. Um, so I had to call a repair guy. But this is, this is what I've become too. <laughs> and, if it, and if any of you guys ever show up at my house to help me fix something, you can just know this ahead of time. If, if I call a repair guy now to come and fix something, I'm the guy that's going to stay in the room with you and hover over you so I can watch everything that you're doing so that next time if that happens, I can do it myself and not have to call you. So that's what I was doing. I was literally, there was a guy there, and he was running these, it's one of these weird electronic panel things on the front of the refrigerator, and he's pushing buttons and testing things, and so I'm watching him the whole time going, if, if, I, if I could talk to the guy you're talking to on the phone right now, I could be doing that and not paying you 50 bucks to come do that for me. Like I, I'm, and so I'm watching, trying to figure it out, because I need to see somebody do it. When it comes to home repairs, I'm not the kind who can just read. I can't just read the directions and, and know how to do it. I can't even really just listen to somebody, explain to me how to do it, and figure it out. I need to watch. Is anybody else like that? Yeah. I've got to watch somebody do it. I've got to see it happen. I've got to know what the part looks like. I've got to know what it looks like when it comes apart. I need to know what it looks like when it's put back together. I want to make sure that I also do things in the right order so that I don't make it harder. I've told you that story before. Like, you start to do something and you do it in the wrong order and you completely mess it up. You have to go back and start all over. So this morning, we're going to again use Jesus as our example of of service and humility. And we said that Jesus was the goat, that Jesus was the greatest of all time. He's the greatest example that we have. And last week, he spoke to the disciples, and he, and he, and he told them. He told them what he wanted to get across. He, he explained to them. But to, today, we're going to see where he not only told them, that, but he created an experience for them to see and feel so that he can make sure that he understood what he he make sure that they understood the principle that he was teaching. So in John chapter 13, let me give you some background before we actually dive into verse 12. Um, chapter 13 takes place during Jesus' final Passover meal with the disciples before he's about to be betrayed by Judas and begin his journey to the cross. And because he knew this would be one of his last chances that he would have to teach them before he went to the cross, John says in his gospel, because of Jesus' great love for them, 
he gets up from the table and he takes off his outer garment and he wraps a towel around his waist and begins to wash the feet of each of the men in the room. And so Peter, don't you love Peter? Peter just says what everybody's thinking, you know. Peter immediately objects and... And the reason he objects is because this is not a task that the master is supposed to be performing. This is a task that one of the servants is supposed to be doing. This is not a task that even any of the twelve would have lowered themselves to. This is something that the lowest servant in the house was supposed to be doing. And all of a sudden, Jesus, the teacher, the master, he starts taking on this role. And Peter immediately objects. And... And, and, and he says, are, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus says, yeah. And Peter's like, no, you're not. No, no, no. Not going to do that, Jesus. Because that's not what you're supposed to be doing. And then Jesus uses Peter's objection to teach him, as well as all the rest of them and us, that being part of the family of God means that we are washed and cleansed by Jesus, not with water, but with the blood That he would shed on the cross. Jesus said to Peter. Unless I wash you. You can't be part of me. He says to us. Unless you are washed. And cleansed by me. Not by the water. But by my blood. You can't be a part of the kingdom. You have to be cleansed. You have to let my work. And my service for you. Cleanse you. And Peter again. Not understanding what Jesus is talking about. He goes from saying, you can't wash my feet at all to, Jesus, just wash my entire body. And so then Jesus has to try to teach him another lesson. The difference between the washing that we receive completely when we experience salvation and the daily cleansing that we experience as we become more and more like Jesus through sanctification. Jesus says to Peter, I don't... You're, you're cleansed already. You, I don't have to wash all of you all the time over and over. But your feet need washing. Because daily, you're, you're getting dirty. The, the, the pursuit of becoming more like me takes its toll on you. And, and, and forgiveness and the sin that comes has to be cleansed and forgiven. So... It's like Jesus sets out to teach them one lesson and, and Peter, because of, because of the questions he has, Jesus has to stop and address Peter's questions and then correct Peter. And then once he corrects Peter and he teaches them off of Peter's misunderstanding, then he moves to explaining the primary principle that he set out to teach them at the very beginning by washing their feet. And we find this in chapter 13, verse 12. So take a look at it with me, if you will. Verses 12 and 13 say this. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you, he asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. There's some primary lessons that Jesus is trying to teach them and he's trying to teach them by example here and the example that he sets is something that was considered an act of humiliation 
on the part of Jesus by the disciples in, when them seeing what he was going through and what he was doing. See, Jesus had already taught them about all these things. This, is not, this was not a new lesson that Jesus was trying to teach them. He had already spoken these things to them many times. He had already spoken this same principle into their life in the text that we looked at last week from Mark when James and John are arguing about who's going to have the higher place of honor in the kingdom. And then James and John sort of start this civil war within, within the group. And Jesus has to correct them. So this was a pattern for these guys. These guys constantly, Jesus would tell them, he would explain things to them. And either their lack of, their lack of understanding or the fact that they just weren't paying attention, they would forget and they would fall back into this. And so, so this time, Jesus is trying to make it where they would get it. Like they had experienced his words, they had experienced seeing him do these things in the lives of other people. But this time he knew that he had to do something that connected with them. Don't you love it when your iPad just completely goes blank in the middle of your sermon? Yeah. So these guys never really got it. They're kind of like us, aren't they? <laughs> they see, they hear Jesus' words, they see what he does around them, but somehow they just don't seem to really get it. So the first thing Jesus does here is he establishes his lordship in their life. So if you're writing down kind of what Jesus is doing, the first thing he does is establish his lordship. Because um, before they could understand the power of what he was doing in washing their feet, they had to understand their place in contrast to Jesus' place. See, if Jesus had been equal with them, if he had been on the same level with them, his act of service and love that he was showing to them wouldn't have had the same meaning. So Jesus says, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for this is what I am. Before we can learn from the example of the master, we have to understand that we aren't the masters. Before we can learn from the example of the master, we have to know and understand that we are not our own masters. And this was the point that Jesus had to teach them. Because one of the biggest obstacles to growth that we face as believers... Is pride. And we've talked about that already before. That the fact that we as Christians sometimes take ourselves way too seriously. Don't we? <laughs> you can laugh. It's okay. And when we take ourselves too seriously though. We set ourselves up as Lord and Master. Over our own lives. So before Jesus could help them understand what he had just done for them, they had to understand that he was indeed the Lord. Jesus says at the end of that, and rightly so, for, what, for that is what I am. 
And he uses that phrase, I am. And when Jesus uses that phrase, I am, it's an echo back to the Old Testament. When Moses said to the Lord, when they asked me who sent me, who do I say? And God said, you tell them I am has sent you. So when Jesus uses that I am statement, he's showing them that he's God incarnate. He's establishing himself as Lord. Not just over them, but over everything. So the first thing he does is establish their lordship. The second thing he does is he establishes his example. He sets the example that he wants them to follow. Look at verses 14 and 15. Now that I... Your Lord and teacher. So Jesus has already established, I'm Lord, I'm teacher over you. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. Look at verse 15. I have set you an example that you should do this as I have done for you. Now, this is probably not the kind of example that these guys thought Jesus was going to be giving. Jesus, if Jesus was Lord and Jesus was Messiah, the last thing in the world they thought they should see him doing was washing feet. And not just anybody's feet, but washing their feet. This was a huge lesson for them. I want to remind you what Jesus said to them in the text that we looked at last week in Mark chapter 10. Jesus said to them, Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must first be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He had already explain that to them but he wanted to take it a step further and he wanted them to experience what being served by the master looked and felt like in their own lives this night was about Jesus taking those words putting them into action not so not just so they could see it but they could experience his personal love for them His personal humiliating love for them on a one-on-one personal basis. Because it's only until we experience the love of Jesus that we can share it with others. And Jesus knew that before he could command them to watch one another's feet, he had to wash theirs. I heard someone say one time that I can't convince you how much you need Jesus until I can explain to you how much I need Jesus. That's how you share the gospel. It's not to to give somebody a laundry list of all the reasons that they're going to hell and then tell them that you have the magic golden ticket It's that I I can tell you why you need Jesus primarily because I know how much I need him. (laughs) 
I know how sinful I am. I know how wretched I was and separated from him. And let me tell you what happened with me. So he knew that they could never serve one another unless they experienced that firsthand from him. So because he showed them this example hands-on, he then equipped them to obey his command. In verse 15, he says, You should do as I have done for you. So the example was set in the experience. The experience that they had one-on-one with Jesus set the example for what they were supposed to do from that point forward. Have you ever thought about for a minute what it would have been like to have, to have the creator of the universe take your feet in his hands and scrub the nasty, dirty smelliness off of your feet with his hands? Now we know primarily that the scriptures, when we look at the way God creates things, God creates with his word. He creates with his voice. But you think about the hands, the hands that, that took the dirt in Genesis and molded Adam together. Those were the hands that were scrubbing these guys' feet. This was a service that was rendered only by the lowest of the servants in the household until now. Do you realize the Jesus that we were singing about in Revelation song is the Jesus that's washing these guys' feet right now in this story. The Jesus who sits on a throne in every creature and every tongue and the four creatures and the elders and the angels are all singing holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. The one that they're singing that to in those scriptures in Revelation is the one who is down on his hands and knees at these guys' feet just scrubbing and washing them with his hands. Jesus, when Jesus did this, he transformed this from a chore into a commission. He wasn't just doing it to do it. He was doing it as if to say, now you get up and do it for one another. It wasn't just their commission, but it's ours. In the salvation that Jesus gives us. In the service that in the humble love that he pours out into our lives. It's as if he says, I don't pour these, this love and these blessings on you so you can just sit there. It's, it's a commission. His service in our lives is a commission for us to get up and go do that same thing in other people's lives. So as with every command of Jesus, it leaves them and it leaves us with a choice. Everything that Jesus says, we have a choice to make. To ignore it 
or obey it. We can do one of those two things, and those are really our only choices. So in these last two verses, Jesus establishes the result of our response. That's the last thing. He establishes the result of our response. Look in verses 16 and 17. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master. Nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you what? Do them. Jesus says, you know it. You guys have known it. You've heard me say it. But the blessing and the power comes when you do it. You know what Jesus is really saying to them here? He's saying, when he says that no servant is greater than his master and no messenger is greater than the one who sent him, he's really saying, if you're not willing to follow my lead and my example, then I can't be your Lord. I am the Lord. And he says, you call me that, and that's right. But... Because no servant is greater than his master. If I'm the master, you have to be willing to come underneath and follow the example that I've set. And if this is my example, and you're not willing to follow this example, then I'm not really your master. Jesus' lead was love Lifted low. (laughs) Love that he lifted, but it was low. Unless we're willing to place ourselves underneath his example. The only other place there is to be is where? Above his example. And if we're above his example, we can't be his messenger or his servant. Because he says, there is no servant that is greater than his master. So if you're the servant, you have to be here. There is no servant that is here. You've become your own master if you're here. But if I'm your master, you have to be here. So it's like, we almost want to say that Jesus sets the bar really high here. And he kind of does, but at the same time he sets it really low. Because what he requires of them is this. And he says, there's no servant that's greater than this. If I'm your master, this is the bar. It's not way up here. Where you think it's supposed to be, it's down here. And if you want to be my servants, this is where you have to be. Because this is where this is where the bar is. Jesus says, now that, that I'm doing this for you, 
you, you have to go and do it for other people. Folks, First Baptist Lindale will never be greater than the master. We will never, ever be greater than the master. So, because we have experienced the humble love of Jesus, because we have seen and felt him on his knees and his hands on our feet, and we've, we've experienced what that is like. We have to do it in return. We have to love others because Jesus says in verse 17, the blessing comes when we do it, not just when we come in here and talk about it. So how is he calling you to serve in this church? How is he calling you to serve through this family here? Because this was the example. We saw Jesus take his own words and put them into action. So the question this morning is, where's the spot for your knees? Like, where is it? What is the role? How is it that he's shaping you and calling you to serve? And when we start loving each other, from our knees like this. Things will happen. And if nothing else happens, you will grow. Will everybody recognize it? Maybe not. Will everybody notice and see it and give you big pats on the back and tell you how great and humble you are? For your own sake, I hope not. Because that will make you want to stand up. And Jesus says, I don't, I don't want you to get up. I want you to stay down here because this is where I am. This is where I operate, down here. And there's no servant that's greater than the master. So if I'm the master, you've got to be down here with me. So where is he calling you to get down with him? Where is he calling you to get low with him?